0: Tony, when she prays, when she speaks, she just exudes passion and love for the things of God, and it's, it's contagious, amen? Love it. Well, it is an honor to be sharing the word today. I'm looking forward to what God is gonna do in this place. My name is Dan, I'm the worship pastor here, and uh, been a part of this church a long time now, and I'll tell you what, it's just, we're living in incredible times. Uh, not just as GT Church, but as people living in the world Uh, in 2021. We're living in amazing times. And I, I believe that there's such a great revival about to break forth. I know our lead pastor, Pastor Scott Kramer, he preached an incredible word last week, specifically talking about the sufficiency of God's word. And I believe that that's where true revival starts. When we get back to the word of God and believing it, believing that it is inspired believing that it is god's word for now believing that it is relevant today believing that it is the very words of god that speaks into every situation every culture spanning generations that it is all sufficient to give us everything we need for a life of godliness amen do you believe that today because i believe that's where it starts and i believe we're living in a world that's deconstructing it and rather saying, you know what, let's set this aside. Let's just set it aside. It's good, it's got some good stuff in there, but let's give you some new ideas, some new thoughts. And I'll tell you what, it's very dangerous to go down that path. We need to keep the word of God central. He gave it to us. This is a gift from God. You know, people have given their lives so that common people like you and I could have a Bible complete of the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's been purchased with blood, Amongst generations of people say, no, the word of God needs to get into the hands of the people. So let's not dishonor the word of God. We don't place it above. We don't make an idol out of a book, but we know that it contains the very words of God Inspired inspired, through, written by man, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. Prophets that were carried along by the Holy Spirit so that we could have this. So I just want to give that little preface to my message today of the importance of God's Word and to reiterate what Pastor Scott shared with us last Sunday. Amen. Amen? Well, week two of Breaking Point. I mean, last week, we, we heard about overcoming in general and, and the, the big idea, really, of the series out of Philippians 4, verse 6, and honestly, this whole series is kind of becoming an exposition of Philippians chapter 4, and next week, Pastor Scott will pick up where I leave off today and expound more upon what the Apostle Paul writes in the most joyful chapter, if you will, of the Bible, and so we're going to get into that. And I'd like to read it. And today we're going to be talking about overcoming anxiety. So I just want to let that sit there for a minute and say, well, I'm not anxious. Well, we're going to talk about this. We're going to see what the Word of God has to say to each and every one of us today. So you ready to go to God's Word? All right, let's jump in. In Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 4 through verse 9 straight straight through, and then we're going to come and walk through it verse by verse. But the Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In verse seven, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ. And then he says, as we put these things into practice, the God of peace will be with us. God is a God of peace. God is a God of peace. And he wants his people to be at peace and to live in his peace and to walk in his peace and to be ministers of his peace. Amen? But the thing is here is that Paul is talking about situations that are going on here with these people. They're living in ancient Philippi, which was a a Roman colony, and this place was where all of the Roman soldiers that were fighting, faithful to the empire, they retired, and they settled down in Philippi. It was like the Florida of Greece. And so there they are, but it's all of these soldiers that are retired and living there, and it, it is like a miniature Rome. It's a miniature Rome, and I've actually had the the opportunity to be in Philippi. It's an awesome city, ancient ruins, beautiful, so cool. But these people, it it was a miniature Rome, and they had many gods that they worshipped. And one of them, no less, was Caesar, Lord Caesar, they referred to him as. And now there's this group of Christians that are declaring that Jesus is Lord. And right now, Paul is writing to these people whom he had only spent a little bit of time with, but God was working in the city of Philippi, and there was a great church that was started and that was growing, but anxieties were rising. They got word that Paul was in prison. Somebody that was supposed to be sent from Paul to them fell ill, and they, they didn't hear from him. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know if he died. He was actually bringing money that they had donated, and just like today, you know, people back then, too, got a little nervous about money. Oh, I gave all this money. Where did it go? Disappeared, right? So they're anxious about their finances. They, they gave towards them. They don't know what happened. Epaphroditus is sick. Paul's in prison. They're at risk of being imprisoned or losing their lives for their faith themselves and, and just needing a little bit of encouragement from their pastor. And so Paul is writing them this encouragement from a prison cell saying rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice so just in case you're like what rejoice yes i said rejoice rejoice in the lord no matter what you're going through right now you can find reason for rejoicing but let your gentleness be evident to all you see in philippi people would have these elaborate celebrations to, to to worship and celebrate their many gods and caesar and they would host, host these festivals in the town squares, in the streets, and be very exuberant in that. And so why not worship the true God in that same way? And so the Christians, he's encouraging them to do that. And indeed they did do that, but he's also letting them know, don't be obnoxious. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. When Paul says that the Lord is near, you know, many theologians, they're not sure if he means that the coming of the Lord is near. Or if he means that the Lord is near, he's present in his spirit. And, and I would tend to agree with those that, that say, you know, I, I believe it's a both end, that he's saying the Lord is near, he's present to you right now where you worship, but his coming is also near as well. So be ready. And it's because of his nearness. Do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious, it's maramnao in the, in the Greek. And maramnao means I am over-anxious, I am anxious about things, I care for. It means to be occupied, to be enormously concerned, to be engaged in something with extreme care. It implies a fixed concentration on something to the point of stalking it. And you know, statistics would tell us that there are three million new cases of general anxiety disorder that, that, that people in the United States have. Three million new cases a year of general anxiety disorder. And that doesn't account for all the other deeper phobias and disorders that there could be there You know, in psychology. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to give a psychology talk today. I'm preaching from the word of God. But these are good things to be aware of. Many of us... Have anxieties, it's not always things that last for a long time, but maybe circumstantial, situational things that can have us a little over-anxious, a little preoccupied in our thinking about stuff that's outside of the realms of our control, things that we're trying to control, but that we're, we're being over-consumed with. And so this is what that word, maram nao, is talking about. When it comes to anxiety, everyone has a breaking point. It's different for everybody, but we all have a breaking point when it comes to to anxiety so I want you to think about it for a moment have you ever been anxious about anything have you ever been anxious about anything what are some things that we might get anxious about that might become all-consuming maybe it's relationships whether your marriage a sibling work relationships your boss finances politics COVID-19 one and the same with politics your children, most of the time, most of the time. Your children, even your adult children. These things that we can think about, be over-concerned about, worrisome, all consumed with. You know, I don't know if you heard, last week it was in the news, there was this guy that was actually swallowed by a whale. Did you guys read that story? You see that? How do you think he's gonna feel the next time he goes swim in the ocean? <laughs> If he ever goes back in maybe he handed in his resignation there you know know what deep lobster diving i don't know if i gotta do that anymore you know what but i'll tell you what you know there are things that can make us anxious and the bible is not silent on the issue of anxiety and we're going to explore more of that throughout philippians 4 and other places in scripture you know i think about anxiety it was really funny last week i i had the privilege of officiating The the marriage ceremony of one of our worship team members, Ben Ungurian, six foot seven Romanian model. You probably know who I'm talking about now. Single ladies out there, he's taken now, I'm sorry. But he got married last Saturday in Charleston, South Carolina, which he had never been there before, but they just decided, let's get married there. It was hot as anything. It's It's not their peak marriage season like it is up north, right? Everybody wants the June wedding, whatever, you know. Down there, it was wicked hot, it was so bad. And so we're out there. I was getting a little anxious at the rehearsal when people were like, there's an alligator in that pond behind us. Oh. And I see this thing just kind of cruising. Down. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. There's alligators here. I didn't know. I guess we're that far south. The next day, uh, Saturday, it was a wonderful wedding. The heavens opened, and there was just a downpour of rain, flash floods. It was an outdoor ceremony. The Lord provided for beautiful weather for that. But then we get to the reception under a tent, and it was just pff, getting pummeled. Rivers of mud. come. It was unbelievable. We're trying to drag everything to another location under cover. It was wild. But we had a good time. It was an awesome celebration. Jesus was at the center of it. You know, It was awesome to celebrate you know, the, the purity and the beauty of marriage the way it was meant to be. Amen? And so we're celebrating that. My wife and I decide, ah, let's get back to our hotel, you know, the flash floods, this is crazy, we're not familiar with these roads, let's get out of here, it's getting late. It's about nine o'clock, we get back to our hotel, settled, you know, whatever, getting ready to go down for the night, and I get a phone call around 10 o'clock from the groom. Pastor Dan, Pastor Dan! I could hear the anxiety in his voice. Like, yeah, what's going on, man? He's like, did you leave already? It's like, yeah, I did. He's like, oh, you have that gift bag I gave you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Thanks so much, man. He's like, my hotel room key's in there and my wallet's in there. And I could hear in the voice of this groom the anxiety. (laughs) Ah, The wedding night, come on. I said, well, you better get to my hotel right now, buddy. I'll get it to you. And he was there in a flash, I'll tell you what. Had to calm him down a little bit. It was good. But in all seriousness, there are real serious things that we can become over-anxious about to the point of stalking it down. Did you ever get so consumed with something, an issue going on in a relationship, or a problem in the family, or things going on in culture that you're just constantly in a state of worrying about? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? You know, W- 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 where's our country going? You know w- What's going to happen in, you know, in, in, in society? All, all these things that we can get so consumed with. That's Marimnao. Ancient Greek playwright Ascalius, in his 5th century B.C. play, The Eumenides*, used the word Marimnate to describe the dog that follows its prey with focus and intent, never giving up the trail. So I want you to picture that for a moment. He used this word hundreds of years before the Apostle Paul would use that word to describe a dog like this one with that droopy face and those long ears, the bloodhound, sometimes described as a nose with a dog attached for its incredible ability to sniff out things, to find things on the trail. Nick Carter, not the former Backstreet Boy, but a bloodhound, that was born in 1899 with its handler, Captain G.V. Mulliken. He became an American legend for his man-trailing talents. This team was so famous that crowds would come and watch as they worked. Nick, we can leave that image up there for a little bit, I like that, just wanna keep that image in our minds, that droopy face thing. Nick is credited with more than 650 finds of evidence. In 1903, evidence gathered by Nick's nose sent 126 criminals to jail. He was particularly skilled at tracking cold or very cold scent trails and was known for having followed one for 55 miles. In 1909, he tracked and found an arsonist responsible for a fire that Nick Carter sniffed out around 100 hours after the fact. In his entire career, he helped Bring 2,500 criminals to justice. So, this is what the image is that the Apostle Paul wants to get in our mind when he says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not become so overconsumed and hot on the trail of these worries and concerns. Don't do it. You know, I think about that imagery of the dog being intent. Right, never giving up the trail. I could think of so many positive ways to to use that as, as an analogy. But the Apostle Paul spins it in the negative. In relation to the worries and troubles of this life, this word gives us the idea of hounding after worries and endlessly sniffing out our anxieties. I think that makes for a superb definition of anxiety hounding after worries and endlessly sniffing out all the things that can go wrong, all the unfortunate outcomes that we fear most. Anxiety feeds on itself. The more we stew on it, the more we go after it, the more we're hot on its trail and find it, much like a dog, going after it, sniffing it down until it catches what it's looking for, except it's not satisfied. It feeds on that and needs more and more. And that's the way that anxiety often works. Works. When I think about the scriptures and how they deal with this issue, I love Psalm 94, verse 19, when it says, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Or Proverbs 12, 25, where it says, Anxiety weighs down the heart. Think about the droopy faced hound, right? Anxiety, wait, I'm hot on the trail weighed down face when anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Everyone has a breaking point when it comes to this, but there are solutions to be found in God's word, solutions to be found in Christian community. And you know, there's some people, you might need counseling. You might need to find a good Christian counselor. It, it's important who it is that's given you counsel, but I, I believe in the importance of professional Therapy, I really do. I've benefited from it myself over the past twelve years, you know. And I just want to talk about that for a second because there's still a little bit of a stigma around getting counseling, seeing a therapist, you know, in the church. And maybe not in your mind, but I, I still see it. I still come across it. I still have conversations with people. There's still kind of this stigma around it, and and I, I just and it's just kind of negative, like oh no, like. The, the, the church has got to be enough, you know. The, God's got to be enough for you. you. You shouldn't need that. And and I understand sometimes where people are coming from that. Hence my preface earlier about the sufficiency of the Word of God. But at the same time, there are others that take it to a further extreme of that. That that's more important. That has more value. That has more relevance to you than the Word of God. And I think it's just important to have balance in that. I love what Dr. Henry Cloud said in a recent article. If you don't know Dr. Henry Cloud, he's a great uh, Christian therapist, and um, he's written, one of his greatest books is called Boundaries, or Boundaries for Leaders, but incredible author, and he's in the field uh, as a counselor, but he wrote this. He said, I don't see psychology and the Bible as two equal disciplines that should be blended together. Psychology always bends the knee to the scriptures. Can you say amen to that? Psychology's sound research and theories have been very helpful in dealing with people's problems, but they actually only serve to illuminate and support the principles of growth and healing that have always been in the Bible. I think that bears repeating. They only serve to illuminate and support the principles of growth and healing that have always been in the Bible. And so we need to hold the two in a proper balance and, and, and appreciate both for what they do. It's really important, and if you are dealing with with really bad anxiety get a professional see somebody get some help work through it but also work through the scriptures find somebody that's going to help you do that in a healthy way but for all of us no matter what no matter where where we find ourselves no matter what the situations might be that come and go where we might get caught up in a web or on the trail of anxiety for a while This is what the scriptures have to say. Four things that we're gonna talk about from Philippians chapter four. And the first is this. This is to everybody. Don't be anxious about anything. Do you get that? It's pretty, pretty simple, right? Don't be anxious about anything. What does Paul mean there? He means don't be anxious about anything. You gotta say it like that. About anything, all right? Don't be anxious about anything. That's what he says in, in, in Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't be anxious about Anything means anything, anything. Think about all the things, anything. Don't be anxious about any of it. You know, Paul's not the first one to come up with this idea. Jesus himself said the same thing using the very same word, that same imagery of a, of a hound dog hot on the trail, anxiety. In Matthew six twenty five through verse 34, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's anything. What you will eat or drink or your body, what you will wear, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he, much, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, telling, don't worry, don't be anxious. All of these things that you can be consumed with, don't worry about it, okay? Fix your focus on Jesus. Fix your focus on his kingdom. Fix your focus on your father, who knows what you need, and he's a good father, that he loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves to take care, he's the only one that knows how to take care of our needs, amen? Again, Jesus in conversation with one of his close friends, Martha, uses this same word, maramnao, anxiety, anxiousness, saying, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, actually indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. The story, the context of this takes place in that they're having a nice little dinner party and the disciples are over, they're listening to Jesus talk and Mary, the younger sister, is hanging out and she's sitting at the feet of Jesus too with with the boys. She's sitting with the disciples as a disciple, hearing Jesus speak, hearing the words of eternal life from Jesus Christ. And Martha is getting so enraged, so upset, so concerned, so over-anxious at the fact that how dare my sister not help? How dare she leave me to do all this work? How dare? And going through all of these things, and Jesus can see it, and he calls it out and says, you know what? There's nothing more important than what she's doing right now. And you know what? Some of us need to hear that today. There's nothing more important than to be in church around Christian believers on a Sunday morning. Whether you're online right now watching, whether you're here in this room, whether you're going to another church somewhere else, get planted, be faithful, be actively involved in the community because it's transformative. Jesus said the church is what would prevail against the gates of hell. The church is not just me singular. I believe in Jesus and we're cool and I read my Bible and I do my devotions every day. No, are you actively living in Christian community? And Sunday is the primary day in which we get to come together and to celebrate this new way of living, this new way of being human that's been made possible only through Jesus Christ. And we need to get serious about that church. Amen. I love this in 1 Peter 5, 7. The Apostle Peter says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That would be a great memory verse for somebody today. Cast all of your anxiety upon him. Just throw it on him. Get rid of it. Don't hold on to it anymore. Just throw it on Jesus because he cares for you. This is what the scriptures tell us. The second thing is this, pray about everything. So first is don't be anxious about anything. Second, pray about everything. Everything. About everything. You know, do you ever see somebody walking down the street talking to themselves? You know, like, oh, what's going on? You know what? You don't know. They might be praying about everything. They could be crazy, yes. But they could also be praying about everything. You know, it's important to be in that practice. It's not just, you know, we've talked about, you know, a few years ago we did a series called War Room. And about, you know, having this place in your house and you can write stuff down. And that's great. I think that's cool. That's important. But you know what? It's not limited. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit where God has come to dwell. It's more powerful when we're all together as the body the collectively But we all have been given the same spirit that has taken up residence within us. We are miniature temples, mobile temples, walking around with constant access to the throne room of Heavenly Father. And we can bring our requests boldly to him. We can bring all of our concerns, all of our anxieties, the small things, the medium things, the big things. He wants to hear it. He knows it already. He knows it already, but he wants to hear it from you. He wants you to relinquish and surrender those things to him and admit that, you know what, I can't sort these things out myself. I can't sort it out myself. I need you, God. I need you. That's all he's looking for. I need need your help. You know, I never deny my kids when they come to me, Daddy, I need help. I need help with this. I I can't fix my Lego. You know what? The Lego thing might not be as important to me in that moment, but it's important to my kid. So, hey, yeah, I'll help you, buddy. Let's let's work this out. No problem. Got it. There it is. You know? And it just, oh, thanks, Dad. Awesome. That's the way God looks at each and every one of us, no matter what it is. You know, sometimes we hold on to things. I'm not going to pray about that. Or I'm not going to submit this prayer request because I don't don't know. No, pray about everything. You know, the the large passage I read from Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 is in the context of him teaching his disciples how to pray. So all of that, don't be be over-anxious, don't be worried or overly concerned about things comes in the context of him saying, this is how you should pray, very honestly, very simply. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Simple prayer. You know what, sometimes we can become over critical as evangelicals of those that pray that prayer religiously. But I'll tell you what, it's a good prayer to pray. Yeah, it serves as a model, but you know what, maybe you just need to use that to jumpstart yourself and to say, you know what, what else do I need to thank God for? You know what, where else do I need to see his kingdom invading my life? Where else do I need to trust God for daily sustenance? Where else do I need to trust God in in releasing forgiveness so that I can receive more forgiveness? Where is it that I feel like, you know, and when Jesus is saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, when we think about breaking points, he's actually talking about that. Help us not to cave under the pressure. Help it not to be something more than I can bear, but deliver me. You know, God wants to do the heavy lifting in your life if you only ask him. If you only give it to him as an offering, he wants to do the heavy lifting for you in your life. If you were here last week, you saw Pastor Scott use an incredible image of all this weight on this board that was just bending to the point of almost breaking. Well, that's, that's exactly what God wants to do is to come, come up under that and do the heavy lifting for you. But he wants you to offer it to him in prayer. So pray about everything. Prayer is the pathway to faith and faith is the pathway to peace. And if it matters to you, it matters to God. And so, allow him to correct your focus and to help you through whatever it is that you're facing. Amen. The third thing is this. So first, don't be anxious about anything. Second, pray about everything. It's very simple, very simple. Third, what you think about matters. What you think about matters. I want to jump to verse eight, where the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians four, verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Man, he just goes on and on there, right? He's rambling, whatever, whatever. You know, my mom has this saying all the time, we're talking to her, you know, whatever. You know, whatever. That's how God is with us. Whatever. Think about the right things. Think about right things, pure things, lovely things, true things, noble things, admirable things. Take some time to think about what is good. If you're in that pathway of concern, of anxiety, of being worrisome, being hot on the trail of something that's keeping you stuck and spinning with worry, with fear. This is what we need to do. Take captive every thought and bring it into obedience to Christ Jesus, says another scripture. But Paul is saying, think about what we're thinking about matters. So how much time do you take to think about what's true, what's pure, what's noble? Because I think if you slow down enough and take time to do that and think about things, you begin to realize, you know what, there's a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot of good that God is doing. There's a lot of hope that can be found. There's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of optimism that can be found in doing that. You know, this is something that sometimes even therapists will do with people in cognitive behavioral therapy, teaching you to to think about things, replace thoughts with something new. We're going to get fixated on something else. We're going to find this thing, the reasons why you get stuck on that, and let's replace it with something else. Because when we get stuck in these patterns, these ways of thinking, or even the behaviors that can flow from these unhealthy ways of thinking, it creates neural pathways in your brain. It just, then it just becomes automatic. Your, your brain just knows how to do it. And we can redirect those paths. We can create new paths when we take the time to think about whatever's good, to think about whatever is pure, whatever's true, whatever is noble. Are you with me? The fourth thing is this, What you do with what you think about matters. So not just what you think about, does that matter, what's in your thought life, but now what am I gonna do with that? What I do with what I think about matters. So if this is not gonna change anything, then then it's just thoughts. The thing is this, information does not equate to formation. You can get all the information you want. You can hear me say all these things up here. The information itself is not gonna equate to formation in your life, being formed into the image of Christ, being formed into the life of godliness and purity that he has for you. That can only come through putting these things into practice daily, daily disciplines, daily surrender, intentful about what I'm taking in that I'm letting it transform me from the inside out. I'm putting it into practice. I'm looking for opportunities to love. I'm looking for opportunities to extend mercy. I'm looking for opportunities to to be merciful. Amen? This is is what we have to do. So it's not just what we think about. What we do with what we think matters. In verse 9, Paul says this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul didn't spend a lot of time with these Christians. He was there a very short time to get this church started, and as far as we know, he never returned again. But when he was there, what did he do? He walked in the confidence of God. He, he, he boldly spoke the word of truth. He cast a demon out of a, a girl that was in the slave trade. He, he was imprisoned. He worshiped in prison the jail rocked and rattled and the earthquake and the chains fell off and the prison doors opened. and he stayed there and he led the jailer and his entire household to jesus baptizing all of them these things he's like whatever you saw you know here's the thing he could have he could have used his roman citizen right you see the apostle paul was a roman citizen And so when they flogged him and beat him and threw him in that Philippian jail, he could have, before they touched him at all, I'm a Roman citizen, you can't touch me. He could have exercised his right. It was a right that he had to exercise. But rather, he chose to submit that to the will of God because God had his eye on a Philippian jailer and his family. And he said, you know what, I'm gonna bring a revival to this city. And so Paul, he doesn't exercise his right. He says, you know what? All right, Jesus laid his life down. All right, go ahead. This is something to be honored. This is something that I'm identifying with Christ. When those reject me because of Jesus, when, when they persecute me because of Jesus, when they say false things about me because of Jesus, these are things that we need to rejoice in. Remember, he started with rejoicing the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice, the Lord is near. He was so aware of the nearness of God that he could rejoice and say, you know what? I'm not gonna get out of this beating. I'm not gonna get out of this imprisonment where there's gonna be rats and things and it's gonna stink, it's gonna be awful. No, God's doing something here, so I'm gonna surrender to it and trust him. Not be worried, not be anxious. See, he's not just telling the Philippians in this letter something that he doesn't practice on a daily basis himself. All you have to do is just read all the letters he wrote. There's many of them in the New Testament. Look at Romans, look at Galatians, look at first and second Corinthians, look at Philippians, the entire book, you know, in in its entirety, sit down, read chapter one, two, three, four this afternoon. It'll change your life. Ephesians, Philemon, it's incredible. And, And you'll read story after story of seeing him actually putting this into practice himself being left out a day and a night in the open sea, being beaten, flogged, imprisoned, stoned, all of these different things. And listen, sometimes we say, well, who am I? I can't do that. The thing is, even looking at those of us on the platform that serve in pastoral ministry here, listen, we go through trials and tribulations all the time, and we're not perfect, but what we do is submit everything to God in prayer. What we do is say, you know what? I need to put this into practice. I need to just keep being faithful. I need to keep being faithful. I need to keep trusting. I need to keep moving forward because I know that God is in control. I know that he's at work. Listen, we all have to do the same thing. So Paul is speaking from experience when he says, now think about these things and now put it into practice. How many times did he have to encourage himself to keep on keeping on? In moments where it's like, ah, you know what? Actually, I don't know if I'm gonna get out of jail this time. You know, yeah, last time there was an earthquake and you know, it worked out real good, but I don't know if it's gonna happen this time. You know, living with this daily trust and submission that God's will is greater, God's ways are higher. I believe that prayer produces faith. I believe that faith produces peace and peace produces protection around our hearts and our minds. Philippians 4 7 I I skipped over that and I want us to hone in on that right now as we close he says this when we choose not to be anxious so it's not saying that I'm going to deny whatever it is that's making me anxious no I'm going to be self-aware about it but I'm going to take that thing and I'm going to offer it to God in every situation no matter what it is through prayer supplication petitioning giving it all to God And he says that when we do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So one key thing here is that you gotta be in Christ. You gotta be in Christ. And if you're here and you don't know whether or not you're in Christ, you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to him and asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life and believing in his death and resurrection as an atonement for your sins, if that's you, I would say, believe in him right now. Put your faith in him. With your heart, believe, and with your mouth, confess that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. So being in Christ is a key thing. But he also says this, this peace of God guards our hearts and our minds. That word guard literally means garrison. It's a picture of a military squadron around your heart. you know. And for Hebrew thinkers... And throughout the Bible, this this thought of your heart, that's the center of all your being, the true you, who you really are. It's the center of who you are, your heart. God is going to garrison. He's going to dispatch a military squadron of angels around your heart to guard you, no matter what it is that you're facing, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situations. And they could be ever-changing, or it could be the same thing that just you're caught in that trail of hunting it down and trying to find solutions for yourself and just never finding satisfaction he says you offer it to me in prayer and I'm gonna give you protection around your heart a squadron of angels to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus it makes me think of Proverbs 4:23, where it says above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it another translation says for out of it springs the issues of life. Think about every issue in life that you can have, right? Do you ever have an issue with somebody, an issue with something? You feel like, yeah, I got issues, right, there? You know what I'm talking about. It springs from the center of who we are, and God cares about that. He knows us better than we know, know ourselves. He says, above all else, guard your heart. But he also says, you know, I'll guard your heart for you if you'll just come to me in prayer. It's that simple. It's that simple. I know it's profound. I don't want to oversimplify or or diminish some of the real things that people face that can, you know, chronic things or, or disorders that might be going on. But here's the thing. I know what the Word of God says, and I believe that it works. I believe that prayer is the primary vehicle to take us from anxiety to serenity. Prayer is key to getting off the bloodhound dirt trail and onto the highway of faith. In God, Did you hear that? Maybe you should write that down. Prayer is key to getting off the bloodhound dirt trail and onto the highway of faith in God. Amen. Psalm 23 says this, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. So don't create those pathways in your mind of the same old things that are out of your control that you can't solve yourself. You give it to God in prayer. And you're gonna be on the highway of faith in God, the right paths for his namesake that he wants to guide you on. On God's path, we don't have to be snipping out our anxieties. Instead, what comes hounding after us is his goodness, his love, and his mercy, and his peace, and his kindness. So the thing that we have to learn how to do when anxiety is overwhelming us, when we are feeling like we're under it, under its grip, and we're on the trail of something, worrying, in fear, whatever it could be. I mean, I think about weird things all the time. You know, my wife and I, just a couple of months ago, we were driving home after seeing our third child uh, in the womb, the first uh, sonogram, and, and we were just so excited. We're driving home from that and decided to take the scenic route and coming through Exeter, and then through the back way of Reading, just to drive through there. I live in Hamburg, so I lived in Reading a while. Just, you know, let's just drive through the city. It's fun. Beautiful along the mountain there, the pagoda up there on my right. The sun is setting, and, and we're coming along this, uh, This you know, this viaduct there near Mineral Springs Road. And I see this tree start falling down. I'm like, what is going? And it, right on the car in front of me. First, I'm thinking couple seconds later and that would have been me and my entire family the other thing is that this guy didn't even see it coming and he didn't die instantly he died later that evening but we were the first on the scene having to call 911 see if there was any life, for what's going on i couldn't even see a body in there the, the weight of the street massive you know hey when i get in the car and drive now i'll tell you what it gets a little windy oh, No, no going to stay in the highway. You know what? And and honestly, but I can get trapped in that fear. Like these, these are the simple things, right? That can turn into an issue. You can get caught in that. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, well, you know, and and we can do that with all sorts of things. And I think that we're all prone to that. I think it's kind of just part of being human. And God is saying, offer that to me. Trust me. Give it to me in prayer. And so we need to learn how to replace those thoughts. Remember, I was talking about that earlier. And so this is what I need us to remember. We need to replace anxiety with peace through prayer. Replace anxiety with peace through prayer. I believe that that is the bottom line message of Philippians chapter four in what Paul is saying. We need to learn to replace anxiety with peace and it happens through prayer. So I want us to close here. I'm gonna have the team go into a song. I wanted to get to this a little bit earlier, but we're gonna wrap up now. So would you please stand on your feet with me? And I want us to pray the scriptures together. Just a cool little practice. Scriptures, prayer, prayer, scripture. These are good things to blend together. And this is going to be our benediction today, but also a confession of faith. And so it's going to be on the screens. And I ask that you all just say this aloud with me. As we, Whatever it is that you need to give to God, we're going to replace it with peace through prayer and through this confession of faith right here. So let's say it together. You're going to know it. Psalm 23, it says this. Ready with Everybody with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I want to pray a blessing over you. And listen, if you need to go pick up your kids, you can do that now after I say amen. But if you need to come to the altar and pray, if you need to just let that word settle in you, if there's something more that you need to lay at the feet of Jesus, the team is going to lead us in a song. And and, and I just want to make some room for the Holy Spirit to do work in your hearts today. So if you need to go, please go. If not, stay and linger as the team ministers but let me pray for you god i thank you for your presence here today god i thank you that your spirit is at work in this place that you love us all those watching online those here in this room with an everlasting love god that you care about us and you tell us to cast all of our anxiety upon you because of how much you care for us god that you see and know everything in our hearts God and you are here, you are near and because of that God we don't have to be anxious about anything but can let your peace overtake us and lead us and guide us so God I pray a blessing upon your people that they would go forth in your peace Lord God in Christ in Jesus name, amen Amen. and amen, love you church have a great day, happy Father's Day once again, hey I encourage you come on, if you can stay, stay come on guys, lead us in this song
1: afraid, I won't be afraid, so be still. So be still and trust. What the Lord has said is done. So find rest, don't strive. No, oh, just faith and grace. No, I won't be. I won't be afraid. You are here, you silent song like me I, I won't be afraid, he's gonna let go He's fill my heart and know, I won't be afraid No, I won't be afraid. I won't be afraid. Oh, I won't be afraid. Come on, say surely love. Surely love and mercy. Your peace and kindness will will follow me. Show me love and mercy, your peace and eyes Will follow me. Oh, will follow show me. Will surely
2: love. Oh,
1: and burst. your peace and kindness will follow us yes, it follows us thank you Jesus
2: will thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord come on just let his love overtake you right now God flood us with your mercy thank you for your goodness that follows us for your peace that surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds. Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. God, more of your peace. peace. Minister your peace right here in this place now. Holy Spirit.
1: Will follow. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we'll follow. Thank you, Jesus. Surely, love and mercy, your peace and kindness,
0: will follow. It follows us. God, may we always be guided on the right paths for your namesake. This path, God, on which we can expect your goodness and your love, your peace, and your kindness to follow us all the days of our life. And surely we will dwell in the house of the Lord forevermore. God, that we are all the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we can be, Lord God, that place that you where heaven invades earth right there, wherever we find ourselves. Help us, God, to always have that in Remembrance and in scope, God, that no matter what we're facing, no matter where we are, that we always have access to the throne of grace. And God, that you are looking to send out that mercy, to send out that goodness, to send out that love and kindness and peace to follow us as we put our trust in you. God, I don't know the needs of all the people that were here today that are still in this room now, but God, I know you do. And I believe that you are at work. I believe that you are ministering. I believe you are setting people free. I believe, God, that you are breaking chains. I believe that people are being free from fear and knowing that they are children of the Most High God. So we thank you for that, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your church. Now I pray that you send forth your people today in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you, church. We love you, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Go in the peace of the Lord.